0: Welcome to the City Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. As a community of faith, we are passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus. The message for this week is from our current verse-by-verse study from the book of James. In each message, we will see some practical truths for living God's way in situations and circumstances that are often out of our control. As always, we would love to have you join us for a Sunday service sometime here soon in Vancouver. You can find directions, more info, and more sermons on our website at citybaptist.ca. All right. Well, let's go to the book of James, like I mentioned. And this is our third uh, message in this verse-by-verse study. We're going to take the time to work through this passage verse by verse. And James, like I mentioned before, uh, when we first started out this series, James is an intensely practical book. It's very practical. There's not a lot of theological discussion or not a lot of what we would say maybe doctrinal teachings per se, but there's a lot of just practical, uh, sort of in your face a little bit, by the way, sort of in your face, Um, practical things that we can take and apply to our life to allow us to live the life that Christ wants us to live. And I really believe it's connected to the author. Remember, James was the brother of Jesus. And so I think if there's anyone who's qualified to say, I watched my brother uh, grow up. I watched how he lived his life. I took some notes. I noticed some things. I didn't believe him at first, but I was still observing. Isn't it interesting though, people who aren't necessarily believers observe almost more than believers observe. And I think James was probably one of those guys. He was watching his brother. These claims had been made. He wasn't sure about him, but he was watching him. And so I think out of that overflow of learning for all of those years, we have this book of James that is so practical, so many uh, what we would call a nugget of truth that are there for us. Some people have even called it the Proverbs of the New Testament, where it's just over and over and over again, all of these great thoughts. And and uh, James here has these really intensely practical truths for us. I was talking with another pastor while I was gone and I told him I was preaching through uh, the book of James and he said, he said that he had heard another pastor say uh, that the book of James is like the app store of the Christian life. I thought that was a good analogy. He said, and when you, when you need certain apps, he says, you need to go, just like the book, you need to go and you need to download those truths. You need to put them in your life and that's gonna help you in the Christian life. Like when I, when I flew, you know, I flew Air Canada and so if I wanted any entertainment or my boarding pass on my phone, I went to the app store. I made sure I got it because it was gonna help me on that trip and in the same way in the Christian life, we need to download the apps of truth that we find in the book of James here and put them into our life so that they're there, they're accessible to us and we've seen that already in the book. We've seen how he encouraged us to count it all joy when we fall into a lot of different trials of life. What a powerful message that is about having joy in the midst of adversity. He also uh, talked about in our second message how we need to be patient and how we need to endure those trials because God always has a bigger plan. God always has a bigger purpose in that difficulty that you are going through and sometimes it just means we need to step back a little bit and have a little bit of patience to see what God is trying to do uh, through our lives. Now, James, as we know, was also writing to the persecuted church. He was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, and, and when they grew to a, a, a quite a large size, God allowed some persecution to come to them that caused those people then to be scattered and to fulfill the Great Commission. And so he's writing to people, though, who are in uh, places that is not familiar to them. It's not their home. And they're undergoing persecution, they're facing trials, and he's writing that to them to have joy, to have patience, but he continually uh, gives them some truths to uh, help them walk through this life and walk through the difficulties of this life. Now, so far, the first two verses or the first two uh, passages that we've used is he talked a lot about the outward temptations that come our way the outward trials of life and and the difficulties that come. But now we see James sort of shift things a little bit. And he goes from talking about the outward trials that we face to now he moves to talking about the inward temptations that we face as believers. He connects the two that are such a big part of our daily life. Now you might say, why is he trying to draw a connection between those two? I wanna set it up for you this way. Uh, Here's the reason, if we are not careful The outward testings of life develop into temptations in the inside part of our life. If we're not careful, the outside trials that we go through sometimes turn into inward temptations. When our circumstances are difficult, we often find ourselves complaining to God, don't we? When our circumstances are, are, are hard and we're going through external trials, we often are tempted to not trust God any longer, aren't we? When situations aren't what we expected them to be, sometimes we question the love of God. And sometimes even, unfortunately, when we have those times of trial and our heart is, is, is in a point of temptation, Satan, our adversary, loves to come along during those moments of weakness and he will give you an opportunity to escape the difficulty and the opportunity that Satan often brings into our lives is temptation and he'll uh, he'll bring a temptation to us there's many examples of this played out in scripture I want you to remember the story of Abraham when he first entered into Canaan the promised land God had given it to him right and when he got there and this was the this was the destination for him God had said I want you to get up from Ur the Chaldees and go to a place that I'll show you and he followed the Lord and God guided his steps and he got to Canaan when he got there what was going on there was a famine in the land God had led him to a famine (laughs) you ever feel like God led you to a dry spot right and God led him to a famine and so he says what's going on now to us we look at it and we say well that was a test God was testing him. He wanted to see if he would rely on God to trust him. But what did Abraham do? He went to Egypt. He went to the picture of sin in the Old Testament. And he he went down to Egypt, and while he was there, he made some very poor choices, and the Lord had to essentially chasten him, correct him, to bring him back to a place of obedience before he would go back to where God wanted him to be. And so the external trial that he went through, that famine, caused him to be tempted to not trust God, and so he made a poor choice. Uh, another example, it would be uh, Israel in the wilderness. By the way, Israel's a lot of different examples of this. But you got to remember, God had rescued them from Egypt. He had brought them through the Red Sea. He had defeated the, the, uh, the Egyptian armies. He had provided all of these things for them. But then they ran out of water. And then they marched for three days looking for water. And when they found that water, they got there. The water was too bitter to drink. And so rather than saying, wait a minute, God just split the Red Sea open and provided for us, what did they do? They started murmuring and complaining and all of this. And then there was a whole bunch of issues, right, that surrounded that whole situation. And, and, and my point that I, I want to make here as we begin this message is that if we were to look at with wisdom at our own lives, we'd recognize that often the outward trials or unexpected circumstances that come our way often are used in our own hearts to develop Permissions to give in to internal temptations that come our way during those trials. You know, someone hurt me, so I'm gonna hurt them or I'm gonna hurt somebody else. An internal trial, some of you have been hurt by someone who, the only reason they hurt you is because they've been hurt themselves, right? That's, a, that's not a fun place to be. That's not a good place to be at the end of. But often that happens to us. We are hurt and so we're feeling down and we're feeling upset and so that'll turn into hurt to somebody else, we'll give them that temptation, we'll give ourselves permission. Sometimes our lives become so difficult and we're maybe going through a difficult time and so we feel like we're entitled to do anything that would make life more pleasurable, even if it is sin. And life is hard and and I'm going through this trial and so I'm going to give myself permission to maybe look at that thing I know I shouldn't be looking at, right? I'm going to give myself permission to maybe be uh, whatever it may be. And you guys know better than I do. Now I realize today we're going to talk about sin just so you know. <laughs> so I realize it'll be a quiet day in here today and that's all right. But it's important for us to talk about these things because in the word of God. We do. If you were to search your heart with wisdom I think you'd totally get what I'm saying here. I've, I've, I've had this in my own heart where I've, been, I've had difficulty and I've allowed myself to temptation. You know I'm in a bad place so I'm just going to dwell on this bitterness for a little bit longer because it makes me feel good. I'm going to put someone else down or I'm going to Maybe, uh, you know, eat too much, <laughs> right? I'm going to do something that I know I maybe shouldn't. I'm going to give in to something because I'm feeling bad or whatever it may be. And we allow these difficulties to give us a sense of entitlement. And, and the other side of that, too, is that we often, in, in trials and difficulties, we conclude that God is the source of our temptations, <laughs> And so when we're going through a hard time, we say, well, God has sent the trial, and God knows who I am, and so God obviously wants me to sin in this way because he knows I'm going to respond like this. And we'll blame God, and and it's been that pattern ever since Adam and Eve. You remember when Adam uh, sinned, he blamed Eve, right? And then Eve blamed the serpent. And then if you remember the passage in Genesis 3 where uh, uh, Adam, when he's talking to God, what does he say, though, to God? He says, the woman that thou gavest me, right, caused me to sin, he put the blame on her and he said, God, it's your fault that I sinned because you put her in my life. And so I had no choice. I had to do this. It's all you, God. And we do that sometimes. We, and we, we blame God. And, 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 and what I want us to see is that there is a connection between our outward circumstances and the temptations that we have to give into our inner desires. Now, certainly, we know God does not want us to give in or yield to temptation. But the fact is, is that God will not spare us that temptation, though. He doesn't want us to give into it, but in his love and his mercy, he also will not spare us the experience of temptation. Someone said it this way, we are not God-sheltered people, we are God-scattered people. Sometimes we want God, God take everything away from me, but that's not a loving God. He allows things into our lives so that we grow and develop into the person that he wants us to be. But we are not God's sheltered people, we are God's scattered people. And if we are to mature, we must face not only external testings, but inner temptations as well. And so in the verses we're going to cover today, James is going to address the source of the temptation that you maybe are going through right now. And not only is he going to address it, but then he's going to give us some hope to take with us as we look at God's plan for living the Christian life that perseveres, that continues on, despite external but also the internal temptations and situations that come our way. But I want to begin uh, this morning. First of all, point number one, I want to look at that God is cleared. First of all, God is cleared. Look at verse number 13 uh, here in James chapter number one. He says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. How many of you know this verse by heart? Anyone? It's a great verse. Let no man say that when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with either uh, with evil, neither tempteth he any man. James is plain and to the point. He says, don't let anyone say when they're tempted, oh, God is the one who is tempting me to sin. And the reason for saying that is because God cannot be tempted with evil. Listen, God cannot tempt anyone to sin because he cannot be tempted to sin. His very nature is so opposed to sin that he cannot possibly tempt someone in that direction. Somebody said it this way, God is unsusceptible to evil. Evil has never had any appeal for him. He is, it is repugnant and it is abhorrent to him. Just as if a magnet cannot pick up a piece of wood or a magnet cannot even pick up silver or a gold coin or a lump of lead, a magnet can only attract iron because iron is the same nature as the magnet, okay, okay? And in the same way, God, there is nothing in God's character that can respond to temptation. For God, it is utterly repulsive in all of its forms. His entire nature and being uh, resisted and pushes against the idea of sinful temptation because God's nature is one of absolute and active goodness. Absolute and active goodness. And so he cannot be the author of temptation. Temptation comes from another source, and we see it in our second point. The guilty is revealed. God is cleared from that temptation that you face in your life, but now the guilty is revealed. I want you to see here in verse number 14, he tells us how it is that we sin then. In verse 14, he says, But every man is tempted. Here's the, here's the, the way it happens. When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You understand when it says man, mankind, that's all people, okay? So you ladies here today can't be like, well, we're all good, right? <laughs> it's only men. They're the ones of the problem. We are, but you know, mankind. So every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Verse 15, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. James here leaves no doubt about it. We are individually responsible for our sin, and we sin because we are sinners. Very simple. Is that simple enough for you? We sin because we are sinners. Now, you might be saying, well, isn't Satan involved in this? Well, yes, he is involved in this. He knows our weaknesses, and and he comes, and he gets involved in our lives, but the baseline truth is this. Satan would not have any success with us if we did not exist already in our sin nature. He'd have no impact enough on us if we didn't have this sin nature, but we have this sin nature. Satan has to have something to work with, right? He has to have something to work with if he's gonna lead us into sin. And our nature gives him plenty to work with. We do not possess the nature of God. I wish we did. We possess attributes of God, and we can grow in, in, uh, in our walk with God, and we have the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. Um, but in ourselves, our nature, we do not ob- obtain the nature of God. We possess a nature that inclines us towards sin, not away from sin. God's nature is whew, not even close. For us as sinful human beings, we are drawn towards it. You know, They say that you can take a, uh, a pig or a hog out of the mud pit and clean it up real nice. I've heard of this. And you can take it to a show and you can do all of that. But I heard one of the biggest things that they fight when they're trying to show off a pig, which anyone ever showed a pig before? I don't know. Okay, I didn't think so. But they say one of the hardest things is keeping that pig clean because all it wants to do is roll around in some dirt. That's all it wants to do. That's all it wants to do. And you can put a bow on it and you can have it in your house, but it will find a way to get dirty that, because it's, that's just what its nature is. It is inclined towards us, towards that. And it's the same way with us as humans. We are inclined towards sin, we are prone towards sin. The Bible leaves no doubt about it. The sin that happened when Adam sinned became our sin. Romans 5, 12 makes it so clear. Wherefore, as by one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And since that very time, our fallen nature has been set and has been prone, and has been inclined to sin. In Matthew 15, it tells us out of the mouth proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Out of the heart, all of those come from the heart of a human being. Even one that's redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. All of those things come from our hearts. In Romans chapter 7, verse 17, it says, Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul himself said there is sin that still dwells in me. An apostle, there is sin. I don't think I have to convince you today that there is sin that dwelleth within you. I don't have to convince you this morning of the fact that you have a sin nature, but the result of that sin nature is that we are all fallen creatures. We are no longer as God designed humanity to be. Our sin killed off that desire and replaced it with a desire. For sin. Now, Paul, uh, uh, sorry, James uses two images here to convey this to us again in case you're still doubting it. Notice what, how he talks about sin. And really, he's talking about a progression of sin. The first imagery that he gives to us there in verse, uh, uh, look again at, in your Bibles there at verse number uh, 14. He says, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away from his own lust and enticed. It's interesting. The words there, drawn away and enticed, means lured or ensnared. It's, it's the idea of a fishing lure. Now, how many of you like to go fishing? Okay, all right. No one, great. <laughs> this illustration is gonna be great then. Um, so fishing, I, I have been fishing before and I, I, and I have a lot of fishing gear. I don't know, I had a friend who gave me a bunch of fishing poles. I got fly rods, I got spinner rods. I got, I mean, I got everything. I got tons. I can, I can catch salmon, I can catch trout, I can catch bass, I can catch anything I need. I have a, a fishing box. What do you call it? What's fishing? Uh, a fishing? A kit, box, what is it called? Tackle box. There you go. Uh, yeah, tackle box. And uh, it is full of fishing lures. Now, I started fishing when I was in Texas, and I had a guy in my church. Uh, his kid was in my youth group, and I guess he wanted to be friends with me. And, and so, uh, so he would take me fishing, and we'd go out to the lake, and, and uh, we'd just go around just so slowly all day long, you know, and we would throw these lures, and they're called spinner baits, and they would spin. they look like a fish uh, or a little whatever, they'd spin, spin, spin. And then I came here, and I had a friend take me salmon fishing, and we would throw yarn like a piece of yarn on a hook or a glass bead or other things, and you throw it to try to catch different kinds of salmon. And, and so the point of a tackle box is that you have a collection of all of these lures, right? Now, the, 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 inter- the interesting thing about lures, though, even if you have a worm, the interesting thing about lures, though, is that at the end of all of them, there's a hook. <laughs> Every one of them. You know, we're not out there just be like, here you go, fish, have a free worm. <laughs> there, there's a reason for that. And the analogy that is given to us of enticement and of of being drawn away is the idea of a fish just sort of swimming on its way, looking for food, doing its thing, and then out of the corner of its eye, that's on the side of his head, it sees something that looks like food, and so it, it's going in a direction, but then it's just so whoo, it goes over to it, and it looks good to that fish, and it looks like a wonderful thing. I've never seen a big pink edible looking thing in the water before you know I want to go for this but then when they bite that when they hit that that lure and they swallow that lure they find the hook on the end of it and it's a problem now that's how sin operates in our lives there's a there's an enticement there's a uh, there's a bit of a, uh, a temptation that comes our way and I'll say this it's different for all of us isn't it some of you if I told you the things that I'm tempted by you'd be like that's not a problem for me and then for some of you, you say, well, this is what really, I mean, this is my big temptation. This is what I'm drawn to. This is what I have to fight against day after day. I'd be like, "That's eh, not even a problem for me. I don't, it doesn't bother me. And different lures catch different fish. And Satan's got a massive tackle box <laughs> of things for you and for me to try to draw us away, to lure us away. But the point I want you to get is that the end of that lure is death every time. Death every time. The other illustration that he gives here is the illustration of childbirth. Now, this is a really interesting take here that James takes that, that James approaches it with. Look at verse 15. Now, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Notice the imagery here. He talks about conception. It talks about birth. It talks about death. The idea of conceiving or conception, of course, is the, is the idea of, the, of being of, of pregnancy. It is the joining together of the two. And what he's talking about here, it is the lust that is within, and the enticement that is without, and the result of those two coming together is the birth of sin. See, sin always begins in the heart of the individual, doesn't it? It's something that we're leaning towards, and then Satan so easily brings along an enticement that just so happens to fix that temptation that I'm dealing with. Isn't it ironic if you're dealing with lust in your heart that all of a sudden there's accessible lust fulfillers for you isn't it amazing that when you're struggling with anger that there's an enticement to be angry (laughs) i don't know where that came from hmm tackle box remember that but when that inward temptation that inward proneness to sin that maybe we're not confessing we're keeping unchecked when it is paired with that outside uh that outside temptation or enticement and those two come together The birth of that is death. Now, that's not how we look at birth, (laughs) conception and birth today, is it? An author said it this way. He said, the mere facts of our being tempted does not involve in and itself anything sinful. It is when the desire of man goes out to meet and embrace the forbidden thing and an unholy marriage takes place between these two that sin is born. Now, he's given us this picture of these two things that are happening. An author named Kent Hughes expanded it in this way. He said, there are two births here. First, evil desire gives birth to sin. And then second, sin gives birth to death. The idea is that sin grows rapidly, just as an embryo grows to maturity. And when it's full grown, the state of pregnancy must end. But the horror here is this. Sin does not give birth to life as you would normally expect. But sin always gives birth to death, to destruction. Both of those pictures, either of the the fishing lure and the picture of childbirth, both of them end in a horrible situation, and that is death. The fish takes the bait, it's hooked, and it's pulled to shore where it dies. This, This birth of the sin and the temptation that come together result in death as well. The point here, I think, is unmistakable. Sin is not the light, casual thing that we make it out to be. It is not the thing that we shrug off and, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I can keep this in my life. I can keep this in my heart. Sin will always lead to destruction. Sin will always lead to death. Think about Samson for a minute and how he loved to play around with sin. How many times in the life of Samson, I was reading in my scripture reading uh, just this week about Samson and Delilah and how, you know, she would come and she would entice him and then he would just sort of play a game with her. And he, would, he was just playing with her. I, you know, I'll tell her a little bit. You know, I won't tell her the whole truth. I'll tell her a little bit. But ultimately what ended up in that is it ended up in his death, ultimately physical <laughs> death, but his eyes being put out, the power of God being taken from him. And I mean, just being a mockery, the sin that grew, uh, that started so small, it grew and it spread. And he just took it so lightly. Even the covenants that he had between him and God, he took them so lightly. He broke them so easily. And I'm afraid today that so many of us as Christians are like Samson. Where we take the commands of God very lightly. We take things that uh, to us, uh, to everyone all around us may be doing. And we just think, ah, it's not that big of a deal, you know. Everyone else is doing it. I know other Christians who are doing those things. But i got to tell you today, we should not ever take sin lightly. Never. That bitterness that you're holding in your heart, that unforgiveness, that heart of lust, that, that improper way of approaching life, whatever it may be for you that you struggle with, Listen it's always gonna lead to a place that you never wanted it to go. It's always gonna lead to death. And that's why James here is so clear in his pictures to us. It's a lure, it's, a, it's, a, it's an issue. And when you, and you marry those two, that outward temptations that are all over the place with the sin and the, 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 the proneness that you have in your heart that leaves unchecked, when you bring those two together, it brings forth death. I mean, think about it. Eve, from the moment that Eve became a sinner, she then became a seducer. That sin that she had stepped into, she then spread it to someone else. And that's how sin works in our lives. Now, for the unsaved, we recognize that sin leads them to eternal separation from God. We know that. We understand that, that, that principle, that scriptural principle for those that do not know Christ. But for those of us who are Christians, those of us who have been saved from the eternal penalty and the ultimate penalty of our sin, that sin that we involve ourselves in will still ultimately lead to destruction. The destruction of your testimony the destruction of relationships. It'll affect those all around you, and it can make you ineffective for the cause of Christ. Uh, being at conferences that I go to, uh, often when I talk with other pastors, we spend a lot of time just talking, and it's a, that's really one of my favorite parts of, of being at conferences is, is talking to other pastors. And, and uh, one of the things that always comes up, though, are stories of, of people who've made decisions that have greatly affected them. And it seems like every time I'm with uh, different pastors, I hear about uh, a pastor in particular who maybe fell into or willingly stepped right into a great amount of sin and how devastating the effects are upon their church and upon their family and upon others. And as I was talking with the other speaker this week about uh, one in particular that he shared with me, and, and both of us were saying like, I can't believe it. In fact, he had been at a conference uh, just a month before this particular pastor. He was telling me about um, was arrested and was put in prison for what he was doing a month before that and and the sin had been going on for a, for well over a year a month before that he'd been in a, in a conference with him and he said that was one of the best conferences i've ever been in my life one of the best messages i ever heard but yet this person's life was just so full of sin and when that and then when that sin then was manifest and it was revealed for what it was i mean it it devastated it devastated their church it's devastated so many people but Thomas said to me as I was talking to him, his name is Thomas Shepherd, this other pastor. He said to me, as we were talking and we were both sort of just shaking our heads, he said, it's only God's grace that it is in us. And he said this to me, he said, Paul, we've got to guard ourselves. We have to guard ourselves against sin. At some point, this pastor, it started in just a small way. And to him, he might've said, you know what? I can still do it and I can get up and I can preach. And, and it seems like everything's Okay. But ultimately, that began to manifest itself, and it ended in destruction. It ended in destruction. And Christian, I want to encourage you today. Don't allow that sin in your life that you hold on to, that you keep hidden, that you go for months and weeks and years even without confessing it to God, without making it right with a person that you are sinning against. Ultimately, it's going to end in destruction. And we cannot live our lives in this way. And James is saying, listen, you got to guard against this. You have to guard against it. We are prone to it. We understand that. But we've got to guard against the sin. We cannot ignore the reality of the consequences. We cannot pretend that it's not true to make it go away. When we battle temptation, we should get our eyes off of the bait. And one of the best things to help you avoid sin is to remember the consequences for your sin. I've said it before, one of the most powerful things that uh, I've heard from a pulpit of pastor talking about this idea of sin and I, is that he said, uh, when, when I feel tempted to sin or I feel tempted to stray, what I do is I take a moment and I write down the names of the people that would be affected by that sin. And when I'm tempted to uh, uh, get into a lustful situation or I'm tempted to uh, allow my, my heart or, or whatever it may be to stray or to re- resist God or to, uh, uh, to walk and live in bitterness or anger, he says, I write down the names that it'll affect the most. And he said, by the time I get to the fifth or the sixth name or the end of my family, he said, often that temptation's gone. I think that's a great thing for many of us to do. You say, I don't have room to carry a notebook around. Okay, just do it on your phone. <laughs> Take a minute and write down the people that would be affected if this sin were to come to its destruction to its destruction listen church I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you today we must guard against this we must be so careful that's why James in verse 16 says do not err my beloved brethren he wraps it all up talking about sin he says listen don't be deceived that's the definition there of of err. he says do not be deceived Do not be deceived in two ways. I believe believe he's talking about two things because he's transitioning now to another thought. He says, don't be deceived and don't follow after sin. The end result is death. But he's also saying to us as well, don't be deceived and don't be led astray to think that you're the only one who's facing this. There is someone who is going through it with you. There is someone as a Christian today that we have with us who wants us to live outside of that sin, the one who can give us the power to break sin's uh, power over our lives, and his name is Jesus. And so point number three, I want you to see hope here is given. Hope here is given. Look at verse 17. You say, Pastor, I need some hope right now. This is depressing. Here we go, right? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Verse 18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. The path that James has led us on here is a bit of a depressing path to get us started here. If we were to just end it and not talk about anything else, if we only talked about sin and we only talked about death today, we would be leave, leave here pretty miserable. I think we'd leave, leave, leave here today with some, a black cloud over our head, right? But thankfully, he reminds us that while sin is damaging and while sin can make a mess of our lives, we still have a good God. We still have a good God. And our God is so good that he loves us even in our sin. He's a God who loves us and calls us to draw close to him. James points out here that whatever is good and whatever is perfect comes from our unchanging God who is above. And while we may be drowning in temptation, we may be suffering even right now, you may be suffering the consequences of your sinful choices, there is someone that can break the power of sin. There is someone that can deliver you from that spiritual and eternal death, and it is the power of God that can work in your life to renew you, to give you that spiritual life that you so desire. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse 17, it tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And because of our good God, the grip of sin can be broken to the point that it no longer dominates your life. I'm so glad for the testimonies of our church family and many of you, I know your stories and I know the grip that sin had on your life for many, many years, but through the power of Jesus Christ, you are free from those today. Sure, it may be a temptation. Sure, it may be something that in a moment of despair and discouragement, you're tempted to go back to, but you've been broken from that overriding pain and that overriding grip that it had on your life and God has freed you from that. And it's because we serve a very, very good God. That sounds like a kid's song. He's a very, very, very good God, right? We should. Okay, I think we should, that just came to me right now. What do you know? Write that down. Someone write it down. Okay. Christian, write a song. Next week. Next week, debut of Very, Very, Very Good God, all right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> New single EP going out on Spotify next week, yes. <laughs> Isn't it great that it's possible for us to no longer resemble that sinner that we were before? all because of Jesus Christ. Well, how does it become ours? Because we do not produce this ourselves, do we? (laughs) It's produced in us when we yield to the new nature that comes as a result of our relationship with Jesus Christ. There in 2 Corinthians, it tells us that if we're in Christ, we're new because the old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. In our nature, there is that that old aspect of us, that old man. And if we yield to it, of course, there will be failure. But if we yield to the new person we are in Christ, we have victory because Jesus Christ is the victor. I heard an illustration of this, and it was an illustration given to us from a Sunday school kid trying to understand this process. And I think it's good for us sometimes to hear it from a child's voice, right? And this is how this young boy described this whole situation. He said, in my heart, he said, there's two men. (laughs) There's Adam, the old man that's my that's my proneness to sin and he said there's also jesus also jesus he said there's also a door in my heart and he said whenever temptation comes and temptation comes and knocks on my door if i let adam open the door it's over with and i sin he said but if i let jesus open the door to that temptation there's victory and i'm no no longer overcome by it what a simple way to look at it but i believe it's so powerful to us today All of us has a door in our life and temptation is gonna come a knocking, right? But who are you gonna allow to answer the door? Are you gonna allow your old flesh and the old way and your old proneness to sin answer it and just be like, come on right on in? That's the way to death. But if you allow Jesus and His Word, by the way, and His Word, you know, hide His Word in our hearts that we will not sin against Him. That's what the Bible tells us. And if we have His Word in our hearts and we allow Jesus to answer that temptation, You know, we used to say when I was a kid, WWJD, right? And I had those little bracelets and I had them on my shoes. I had them everywhere. But what a great thought when we're facing temptation. Man, Jesus, I just feel like being bitter today. How would you respond to that? (laughs) How would God respond to that? And allow Jesus to answer the temptations that come your way. Today, I wonder, are you struggling with temptation? Are you struggling with temptation? You are. You are struggling with temptation. We all are struggling with temptation. And if we would look again with wisdom to our hearts, yes. would we, my, my encouragement for you today would be simply, first of all, don't try to blame God for it. He's been cleared of any wrongdoing, okay? <laughs> He's been cleared. But then also just be aware of the dangers of the temptation. The greatest, the greatest help when, when facing temptation is to recognize the consequences of giving in to that temptation. Recognizing those that will be hurt by it the effects it'll have in our own soul, and then turn to your good God and nurture the life that you have in him. Nurture it, develop it, grow it, know his word. Be involved in the things of God. Surround yourself with the people of God and hide his word in your heart to help you resist those temptations. We hope today's message was an encouragement in your relationship with Christ. To stay connected with us, you can like us on Facebook or give us a follow on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will uniquely bless and grow you as you pursue his will.